So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Harry Ironside said, we would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. Today we're going to look at a man named Daniel who was blessed tremendously, envied, falsely accused, and punished for simply being faithful. A man who loved this life and lived this life with thanksgiving. We're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. We're looking at three things specifically. Number one, blessed beyond measure, verses 1 through 3. Number two, not immune from trouble, verses 4 through 9. And number three, the normal routine, verse 10. Number one, blessed beyond measure, verses one through three. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the, governor, the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. To give a little backdrop to this story, the Medo-Persian Empire had just recently overthrown the Babylonian Empire, as foretold by the writing on the wall in the previous chapter that Daniel actually interprets. Belshazzar had set Daniel as an administrator, and when Darius or Cyrus actually conquers the Babylonians and Belshazzar, Darius finds it important to still keep Daniel in his position that he was already given, because Daniel had already done a great job, as it is. Daniel had such a, a good, done a, such a good job, it was a no-brainer for the king to make Daniel with a promotion right away in the new kingdom. In fact, the king almost thought of giving him full authority over the whole kingdom, just as Joseph did under Pharaoh that we've read in Genesis. Scripture says here, though, that there was an excellent spirit in Daniel. We see that Daniel obviously was very blessed by God, blessed beyond measure. He was given a prominent status in this land. But when it comes to the excellent spirit, what does that actually mean? What does it mean that God says in his word here that Daniel had an excellent spirit? Well, if we look back, we're going to be able to see exactly what that means. First of all, that means doing what's right when asked to go against convictions. Doing what's right even when asked to go against convictions. We see that back in Daniel chapter 1, in verse 8. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. What's amazing there is that Daniel and his three friends who were taken from their homeland of Israel and they were determined in their hearts that they were going to maintain loyalty to Jehovah God. And in doing so, they were not going to participate in any practice that would compromise their commitment to Jehovah. They ended up tremendously blessed for standing up for their convictions. How do we know that? Well, dropping down to verse 19 in chapter 1, Look at what happens when the king interviews them. And this is King Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel actually went through quite a few kings and still kept an amazing position in every kingdom. God blessed him tremendously. It says, the king interviewed them, 
And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them, look at this, ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Now it makes you wonder how he gauged that they were ten times better, but needless to say, they impressed him quite a bit. They maintained their conviction. Standing firm in convictions will many times reap tremendous blessings, church. It's when we try to compromise to the extent of losing our testimony that we no longer have the blessing of God in our lives. It may look good temporarily, but in the long term it will be a loss if we compromise. It doesn't mean that there not, may not be threats of death, which we see in the book of Daniel, his three friends were threatened with the fire, and as we're reading right here, he's about to be threatened with the lion's den. It does not mean that you will not be under threat of difficult circumstances. But Daniel also had something else that made him of an excellent spirit. The second way that we see that is that he gives proper credit to God. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 19 through 23, this is what it says. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. It's good for us to remember now. God's behind all of it. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. You see, Daniel knew who to credit when it came to the wisdom he was given. Daniel knew that it was God that gave him everything he had. When Daniel's brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and told to reveal the dream as well as interpret it, it creates a huge dilemma for all the magicians that are around. They don't exactly know what to do. In fact, they ask the king to give them the dream and then they try to come up with the interpretation. Unfortunately, they had to come up with the dream for the king as well as the interpretation. God blesses Daniel with this knowledge, and instead of getting on his high horse, Daniel gives credit where credit's due. It is all God. God deserves the glory. Listen, church, how often do we find that God blesses us with maybe an incredible ability to make a little extra money, to see growth in our company, our church, our school, and we simply do not give him the proper credit due? Well, you know, I worked really hard. It's all the work that I've put in. But who gave you that ability? Who gave you that expertise? Who gave you that knowledge? You were gifted the way you were because God decided to gift you the way he did. All glory belongs to him. You don't have a right, church member, to look down at others that are not as gifted as you are in certain areas. Don't assume that just because you don't have something that someone else has that God has not gifted you in ways different from them. God has gifted every single person 
with different gifts. And his blessing will look differently on each of our lives. The third way that we know that Daniel had an excellent spirit, and this is one that's missed by a lot of people in the church, he was keeping good company. Keeping good company. Daniel 3, verse 12. There are certain Jews, and this is really in reference to the three friends that he had that are about to be thrown into the, into the fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. This is in reference to Daniel's three friends that refused to go against the proposal of bowing before the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel had solid friends who wouldn't compromise their beliefs. They didn't compromise their faith to worship other gods. And unfortunately, many Christians find others that compromise their faith. And they wonder why they end up in the same pit that their friends do. When the decree came to bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, they refused and were thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, we do know that Daniel was around during that time, but we're not sure exactly why he wasn't involved in this. He may have been protected, having dealt with a different part of the region. But we can safely assume he would have stood with them as that was his conviction as well, because we'll see that clearly in the text that we're dealing with this morning. What's incredible is that they're given multiple positions in the kingdom, and they still remain faithful to their God. You see, one of the unfortunate things is a lot of people assume that with great responsibility, or if somebody's got some prominence in this world, then that means they, might have, they must have done it deceitfully. And I ask, have you actually read Scripture and seen the many that God has blessed that were faithful to Him, even in those positions? Don't automatically assume because God has blessed somebody with a high prominent role in their company or in the government or something like that, that God is, they've automatically done it deceptively. They very well could be faithful in what God's called them to, and God's blessed them. We do know, ultimately here, that Daniel's friends made a big difference in his life as well. What's incredible is that they remained faithful no matter who was in charge. In fact, they went through multiple kings and still remained faithful to God. They went from Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar to Darius or Cyrus, if you will. It didn't matter who was in charge. It shouldn't matter who's the president, church, how we worship God. It doesn't matter that our candidate won or lost, we should still be faithful to God. That doesn't change any of that, and it shouldn't change any of that. We all need faithful Christians as friends who will help us stay faithful in our convictions with our walk with God and even with our love for others. See, the truth is, church, all of us have blind spots. All of us do. And if we're not aware of those blind spots and we don't care to find people that will help us in those areas, we will fall into pits and danger and ultimately compromise our faith. The reason so many Christians fall is because they have no support. And usually the people that have no support aren't looking for support. They withdraw from a church. They do their own thing on Sunday mornings. They think that everything else matters more than being in the body of Christ. And then when they fall on their own, they're wondering why nobody is around. 
Well, church, the safest place is to be in the hand of God and in the, with the people of God. The further we walk away from the congregation, if you will, of God, the more danger we're in. That's for any of us. It doesn't matter your status and how long you've been a Christian. You can, you can throw the stats out there. It doesn't matter how long. As soon as you and I decide fellowship is no longer important, we will go astray. It's a matter of time. Daniel here is blessed beyond measure. He's given a high status in the kingdom, but as is often with all of us, it does not make him immune to trouble. Number two, not immune from trouble. Verses four through nine, back in chapter six. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, we're not given the particulars as to why these officials did not like Daniel in his position. They may very well have been corrupt officials themselves, and Daniel made them look terrible because he did things honestly and by the book, if you will. It could have been the fact that they were greedy or corrupt themselves. We don't know for sure. But they knew the only way to really go after Daniel was in regards to his faith. That's the only thing they could really do. In regards to what he believed. Which church is the place wicked people will go after if they've got nothing else? That will be the place they go after. They will try to find where they can trip you up in your faith. In fact, they knew that Daniel did not agree with the pagan idolatry of worship. So they exaggerated their claim to Darius that everyone, including Daniel, signed off on the ban of worship. In the ban of worship of other deities but the king himself. What's interesting is in Persia, the king was not required to be noted as a god as he was in other nations, but more of a ruler demanding respect, which played a role here in this situation for Darius, who was thinking that they were trying to just show this ultimate respect for him. What's amazing is that they write this edict for only 30 days. They, they didn't need it to be very long. They only needed 30 days. And they figured we can convict Daniel on this easily. We have 30 days to do it. It won't take much. This wasn't a permanent law, but a temporary one needed just 
to give them enough time to get Daniel. What's amazing is Babylonians cast many into the fire who were guilty, whereas the Persians' default was throwing them to the lion's den. What we read in the text, too, is that Daniel was actually a favorite of the king. The king really appreciated Daniel's work. What's amazing is that they were trying to figure out a way to make sure they took away the power that Daniel had. And ultimately, if a person's terminated, they have no power, period, right? If we throw them to the den of lions, we won't have to worry about Daniel ever again. Unless, of course, he's resurrected. That's another miracle that the Lord could perform. The king had every right to trust Daniel because Daniel proved himself to be an honorable man, better than the rest. You know, it's amazing how often accusations are made at those that are faithful because others don't like how God has blessed them. There is always an attempt to find the chink in the armor of others, is there not? We see someone that's tremendously blessed by God, they may have that, what we consider the perfect family, the beautiful home, the nice car, whatever it is that we consider a blessing, and we think, they didn't really get that properly, did they? They must have taken a shortcut. There's no way they could have honestly worked hard enough to get to that. If your goal is to take someone else down because of God's blessing, be careful. Because it may come back to hurt you and your family much worse. We need to be careful that we aren't actively trying to dim the light of others who are faithfully walking with God simply because we've decided to compromise. A lot of Christians like that in America right now. They belittle faithful Christians because they themselves have compromised. They belittle churches that are faithful to the word of God because they're not relevant. What are we going after, church? Man's praise or God's blessing? There are very dangerous things that we're capable of doing when God blesses someone else and we attempt to sabotage what he's done for them. Oh, we all have that wickedness in us. Let's not assume it's only our neighbor. We've all had a time or two in our lives, or dozens, hundreds maybe, some of us, where God's blessed somebody in areas that we are struggling in right now, and we look at them in disdain. We can't believe they have something we don't have. And we're angry inside. We become bitter And unfortunately for some people, that bitterness spills over for many years, and they've become hardened to anything that God has ever done that's good in other people's lives. And they get to the end of their life angry and upset that God has blessed others, and he supposedly has bypassed them. If you're not doing things God's way, don't expect his blessing. Don't. Unfortunately, most of this world wants to take shortcuts to God's blessing. You want to raise a good family, you got to do it God's way. You want to be a wise steward of God's money, you need to do it God's way. The latest financial guru, guru is not going to give you all the advice you need automatically. 
One of the things he probably won't have in the book is the importance of being a giving person yourself that God actually promotes throughout Scripture. What most people are about is give me, give me, give me. That's what they're about. And that's what they view God's blessings to be. But when you read Matthew chapter 5, with which many of us in discipleship groups at least probably attempted or started memorizing this last year, blessed are the persecuted. You're telling me that there's a blessing to those that are persecuted for their faith? Yes, there is. And unfortunately, we view blessing in this American consumerism. It's not at all grounded in Scripture. Now, can some of that blessing be financial things? Yes. Can some of that blessing be health? Yes. Can some of that blessing be a promotion, as it was in Daniel's case? Yes. But that blessing can take on many forms. And just because Daniel had many things did not excuse him from real struggle. There were pressures put on him. In fact, what's amazing, this is what makes Daniel unique, is Daniel just sticks to the normal routine when this pressure's on him. He doesn't change anything. Most of us would have probably adjusted a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's only 30 days. Number three, the normal routine, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Love this phrase as was his custom since early days. Daniel ain't no progressive Christian, that's for sure. Changing his ways to fit the culture of the day. Well, you know, they're telling us that we, you know, the Bible can't be trusted in this area. We've got to change some things. Daniel realized that he has just been set up. And what does he do? Well, he's always done. Oh, yeah, Daniel hides away and prays privately so nobody can see him, right? Is that what happens here? No. He opens the windows as he always does and prays as he always has. He doesn't change a thing. He opens his windows and kneels down and prays three times as he always has. You see, if he was given advice by modern evangelicals, They'd probably tell him, hey, Daniel, we need you to be our voice in the political landscape. Just keep it down for 30 days. God knows you love him. You don't have to make it so obvious by opening your windows and letting them see you pray. You're going to save us in this kingdom. We need you in your position of leadership. So this little compromise isn't going to hurt all that much. You see, Daniel had a routine when it came to his prayer life. Number one, he had a certain location, upper room. He had a certain spot that he'd go pray. He also had a certain posture on his knees. He had a certain frequency, three times a day. 
And number four, a certain habit. He prayed and gave thanks. He always did that. Church, I want to ask you, do you have a certain spot that you pray consistently? I ask myself that question. Do I have a certain spot that I pray consistently, even if my family doesn't see that? This is the spot that I come before God, and it's just me and Him. You see, we want to be blessed so much like Daniel, but we don't want to be consistent like he is. Do we take the time to kneel before God? Or are we a little more casual normally? You know, whatever works for me. Church, I I really do want us to think through this a little bit. There's a reverence that the Catholic Church has that Baptists many times don't. They kneel in reverence. I say this with all due respect. You can pray in different positions. I'm not saying that praying on your knees is the only thing that matters. But if you're going to bow before a king, you're going to be kneeling. And I think we need to think through our prayer life. It breaks my heart how casual I have become in my own American Christianity when it comes to prayer. I don't go looking at everybody else and claiming that they're casual because I know how casual I've become. And when I read texts like this, I get convicted all over again that Daniel knows who he's praying to, and there's a reverence there. And it's missing in many churches today. Church, do we faithfully pray every day, as Daniel does here? Every day, faithfully pray. Now, nowhere in Scripture does God say you need to do three times a day as Daniel does here. But do you faithfully pray every single day? That's my question. Do our children know, parents, that we faithfully pray? Here's another question. Is the prayer with thanksgiving habitual? Let me word it this way. Does God hear more of our grumbling and complaining and requests? Or does he hear praise from us? You see, we can have a great position or influence others, but that does not make us immune from trials, as we see here with Daniel. We can be an example to others in the world and be envied for what God has blessed us with. We can even have charges specifically levied against our faith because that's the only thing the world can come after. Church, we always have the choice to compromise when our beliefs have been challenged or targeted. But are we going to do what we always done and be faithful? Or are we going to change based on the circumstances? We can still come before God and still thank Him because He is still so good to us. This is what John MacArthur says. Being unthankful is the various essence of the unregenerate heart. The Apostle Paul identified unbelievers as ungrateful. For even though they knew God through conscience and general revelation, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. But when God regenerates an individual, he produces a new heart that longs to obey Paul's injunction and in everything give thanks. Listen, we need to stop complaining about our jobs, no matter how much we don't like some of the work we have to do. 
or whether the pay is terrible, but be grateful that God's given us a means to provide. And we're not starving in a third world country right now. Fat, unhappy Americans. That's what we are. We need to stop complaining about the time we don't get to do certain things that we would like and appreciate the time that we have with others when we've been given the chance and make the most with a heart of gratitude. Most people that say they don't have enough time spend their time on things that don't matter. They have enough time. They just waste a lot of it. And then they end up saying, I don't have it. If you took away the TV shows that people spend their time on, they'd have time for other things that matter more. If you took away young teenagers' video games, they'd have time to develop in some other areas. If you took Facebook away for a week, you'd have time for what matters. It's not a matter of not having enough time. It's where you're spending it. We need to stop complaining how messed up our family is. The truth is, all our families are messy. I haven't found a perfect one. In fact, you read the Bible, there isn't a perfect family in existence. From Genesis to Revelation, read it all the way through, you'll see messed up family after messed up family. You could still be grateful for them. With all our flaws... God is still good to us. Read Abraham and his family situation. Read Isaac and his family situation. It just didn't stop. None of them had a family that was perfect that they were developing. Even take David, everybody's favorite man after God's own heart. Read about his family life. It's all of grace, church. All of grace. Stop pretending that you're going to raise families by yourself much better than someone else. You need to depend on him way more than you realize. We need to stop complaining about our church and what it lacks in. Be grateful for those that have been a blessing to you. It touches my heart every time that I see people that are appreciating what others have done for them in this church. It makes me behind the scenes go, they're getting it, God. They're getting it. And unfortunately, when we lose loved ones and family members in this church, we should appreciate the ones that are left behind a lot more, and we forget shortly after. Just because God decides to spare certain people does not mean that we should now forget a few weeks later of what it matters in life and the people that God's put around us. You see, some in this church don't have their loved one today. And it should motivate us all the more to be that help and encouragement to one another while they're still here. Let's not forget the saints that have gone before in our church. Let's remember brothers like Sean and Rick that we've lost just in the last couple years. Let's thank God for them. And remember that while we're still living, we have a chance to still be the saints that God's called us to be. Church, stop complaining about how dark the world is. Be grateful that God called you to his marvelous light. 
The world is so wicked, it's so terrible. And you have Christ, the hope of glory. What are you worried about? You've been called to share his amazing grace. Darkness should have no power over us, church. We have been given the light. So in conclusion, church, are you giving thanks consistently? Are you giving thanks consistently? Are you the type that always sees the glass half empty? Whenever someone will ask you about something that's going on in your life, yeah, yeah, it was good, but... Every sense of poison coming out of our mouth. Every time there's a blessing, you find the lack. Are you one of those? Do you stop being grateful when the circumstances change? It blows my mind how easily grateful we are when we get what we want. And as soon as the circumstance change, for some reason, God is no longer good. God is good whether you have to wear a mask or you don't. And believe me, I hate the mask, personally. But that should not bleed into my spiritual walk. And unfortunately, it does. We let the world dictate our walk with God. Fortunately, we think more through a political landscape than a biblical one. You see, what we didn't cover in this story of Daniel is that he ends up being thrown into the lion's den. All those wonderful blessings were put to the test. What is incredible is that God spares his life, and the very people that plotted against him get thrown in with their families. So it affected not just them, but their families as well. You see, others we read in the Hall of Faith chapter of Hebrews were not rescued or spared but lost their lives. They were killed. Now, church, is this something that should stop us from being grateful? No. Your circumstances should not determine your gratitude. I remind you once again, your circumstances should not determine your gratitude. Many of us are very fair-weather Christians. We like it when it's good. We are Eeyores when it's bad. The whole world's falling apart. It's ending today. It may. Ultimately, Jesus takes us home. It's not ending for us. We get much better stuff going for us. If you and I know we don't deserve anything that we receive from the hand of God, will understand that he graciously gives us grace, mercy, life, our family, our homes, our jobs, that we're to be grateful for every single day. Listen to what Spurgeon said. There should be a parallel between our supplications and our thanksgivings. We ought not to leap in prayer and limp in praise. Church, let's look at our lives and be honest about our hearts before God. Are we grateful or constantly complaining? 
Look at this past week. How much did you praise God and thank God compared to complaining? Does God only hear our pity parties? Or does he hear our grateful hearts of praise?